We hope you enjoy this message recorded at Equippers Church in Eden. For more information, please visit equipuschurch.com. Thank you to, to you as a church um, for sharing your pastors with us in terms of um, uh, sending him across a few times. and Plus, we also, um, I do speak with him regularly in terms of what we're doing in Tonga as a church in need of, of help, in need of, um, of just input into what's happening there. So it's really great to be part of a family, a part of the family that we're not doing it alone, we're not out in Tonga doing our little thing there, or you here doing your thing here, but we're doing it together. And uh, our victory is your victory, your victory, we celebrate in Tonga. And so um, in that, it's also great to be going from, coming from another nation here, and we're here and we find that it's home. It's great to see Manasse and El Eloise, you know, they were part of the Tongan congregation. You know, great couple. They've come and they've found home. They've come from home to home. It's great to see Sarah. Sarah's mum is one of the leaders in the school in the in the in the school at um, in Tonga, and she's doing a phenomenal job. It's great to see you, Sarah. And so what I'm saying is that hey, we're going from home to home. Yeah, yeah. And that's what it feels like coming into this space. So I want to thank you for um for opening up the space for, for us to be here, um, but also to, to share in our victory, to share in what God's doing. And you will hear many of those stories, uh, but I'm sure it's like here in, in, um, in Dunedin that we, we tend to talk about all the great things that are happening, but there are times that we actually are in the valley. And, um, and, you, and, and so that's what... And I, and I was preparing, and I, just, over the, just over the week... Um, Think about, okay, what, what's God got for you here? And the word that came to me was breakthrough. Breakthrough. Your breakthrough is in you and around you. The people are your breakthrough. God has placed a breakthrough in you, and it's time to release that breakthrough. And, um, and you know, sometimes you, sometimes you go, someone asks you to go and look for stuff. And you go in and you're looking, where is it? Where is it? Yeah. Where's the salt? It's right. It's in the kitchen. Oh, no. Where is it? I can't see it. Um, from, from where I'm from, they, they tend to say, look, it's going to bite you in the, oh, it's going to bite you in the face or somewhere like, because it's sitting right there, but you can't see it. You know, it's sitting there. You know, a lot of the time is that our answers in God is sitting right here, but we just can't see it. Pastor Sam talks about that, that we, that God answers us in seed form. But I believe not only in seed form, God, God answers us through people. Through people in our world, through even within us, God answers us. And so if you're wanting a, um, if, if, we, if we have a title for this morning, you are God's answer. And so from where we're from, I better give you a slight background so that you may have a clearer understanding of, of, of where I'm from. So we're a, we're a nation just a little bit smaller than your city, people-wise. So we're a nation a little bit smaller than your city. Um, we will say probably 90% of our population goes to church every Sunday. However, maybe 10% of that population, only probably 10% of that 90% are actually Christians. So people say that we are a Christian nation. I'd like to say we're a church-going nation. We go to church every Sunday. Um, we, our greatest export is people. So we've exported Manasseh here. 
<laughs> our greatest export is people in terms of, and so our, that's, that's our greatest commodity. That's what we have going for ourselves. Although I believe that in Tonga there is greatness in there, not just in the people, but in the land and, and whatever, and, and all of the surrounding, uh, and all the surroundings. Uh, economically and politically, we're in a bit of a, we've, we've been in turmoil for the last probably three decades. Uh, because we are a monarchy, we have a king, uh, but then there are people there that, but then, but then people want to have, feel that they're not being, that they need to have the people's voice or whatever it is that people feel. And so that's where the tension is. So economically, would say probably the average wage between, would be between 150 to 200 pa'anga a week. So equivalent to here in New Zealand would be probably just under 90, 90 bucks a week. And so that gives you a, a background into what it is that and where we are and what God, because it can put context in what God's doing. So um, I'm going to be preaching from, from Judges chapter 6, pretty much the first half of Judges chapter 6. And so, so let's just start, start from there. So the story is that in Judges chapter 6, the people of Israel are, in, are, in a, are under oppression. Because they're under oppression because of what it is that they've done. They've gone away from God and so forth. And so the, there's the people of the Midian, of Midian, the Midianites, would come in and ravish all of Israel. Whenever it was harvest season, they'll come in and take all their harvest and then they'll go. And so the people of Israel were under oppression and so... As we, you and I get under oppression when we know God and we know that we've gone away from God, we cry out to God. And that's what they did. So they cried out to God in verse, so, so let's go, let's go. Judges chapter 6, verse 6 to 10. Let's start from there. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. When the Israelites cried out to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet who said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. So I believe that when God, when we cry out, God always sends an answer and he always answers us. And most of the time, and I believe almost all of the time, he sends us in the form of people. He sends us a person. He sends us to, the, to be the answer to what it is that God has, that, that we're crying out for. See, we, we, have a, we have a great history in our nation of being Christians. And so what happens is that when, at the moment, I believe there is a, there's been generations that's been crying out to God because of where we are as a nation. Maybe it's the same here. And so God sends them a prophet. God sends them a person. And this person, all he does is he reminds them of who they are and what God has done in their midst. He says, the prophet says, this is what the Lord, of, the God of Israel says. They cry out because they're in Proverbs. And he and sends a person, just reminds them, hey, I'm, I brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians, and I delivered you from the hand of all the oppressors. I drove them out before you and gave you their land. I, I said to you, I am your Lord, your God. See, he reminds us of what he's done in our lives. We may find ourselves in need of a breakthrough. God wants to remind us what he's done in our lives. God wants to remind us of our salvation. God wants to remind us of the breakthroughs that we've had. God wants to remind us those things because I believe if, he wants to, if he's reminding us, he says, I can do it again. Yeah. 
And so be encouraged. If you're going through whatever it is that you're going through, God says, I'm reminding you that, that, that I can do it again. See, God is always reminding, me, reminding us of what he has done in various situations. He's reminding us of who he is, and he's reminding us of what he has done. Yeah. A lot of the times that we forget about what God's done, because we're so focused on what we're going through. Yeah. I'm in so dire need of a breakthrough. And God said, no, can you remember what I've done in your life? I want to remind you of what I've done in your life. And I want to remind you that I was with you. So if that happened in the past, I am going to be able to do it again. See, when we pray and we ask for for these situations and these circumstances to, to, to break through in our midst, see, God always reminds, not only that, but he sends us people that will remind us. He wants to remind us of our identity. See, when we first went out to Tonga, we thought to ourselves, why do we need another church here in Tonga? 90% of the population go to church. Probably a lot more before we went. 95 of the people go to church. So why do we need another church? So that was the first thought that came. The second thought that came was when God dropped in our heart in order to start a school. Said, why do we need another school? There's already plenty of schools here. You see, all of those things was not us questioning, but God was more questioning, who am I to do all of these things? It was me because of my identity crisis that I did not understand what God has called us to to do. And because he's going to do it, it was me not, not sort of unintentional or rather indirectly saying, God, who am I to do these things? It wasn't, why does Tonga need another school or church? It was more, who am I to do this? Do you, ever, do you ever sort of ask those questions? You turn it around because of our insecurity um, um, crisis, and we turn it around and we say, well, they don't need that. No, no, God's told us to go and do that. And so he reminds us of our identity. In Judges chapter 6, verse 11 to 12, see, what happens is that when all of this is happening in Israel, the angel of the Lord appears to this this guy named Gideon. And where was Gideon? Gideon was in a was in a wine press, wine press threshing wheat. He was doing something that you shouldn't be doing it. He was doing something in a place that you shouldn't be doing it in. See, threshing wheat needs to be in an open space where you, where you, you you'll throw the wheat into the, into the air and let the air and the current sift it. And so the heavier particles would fall and would blow away all the chafe and all, that, all the rubbish. You see, he was in a wine press, which was a big, whatever, it was a sort of a big ditch. And he was threshing wheat in this wine press. Why? Because he was afraid that the enemy would take what was his. So, so God, so, so the angel of the Lord appears to Gideon. Verse 11, the angel of the Lord came and sat down on the oak of Ophrah and that belonged to Joaz the Abyssalite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. 
See, if we are, if we are the answer to, the, to our nation, if we are the answer to our generation, we are the answer to our city. See, God wants to remind us of our identity. God wants to remind us, so because why? Because when we say, oh, I'm the answer to the city, but does this city need me? There's plenty of people that can do that. No, God wants to say to you, I want to remind you of your identity because he wants to reveal himself to you. When he reveals himself to you, then you are able to look into the mirror to understand who you are and whom you, the image that you have been created in. See, I've had to go to God many a times because when I'm asking, this time I need another church. This time I need another, another, another school. This time I need another person who thinks that the answer to this nation. This time I need, no, I had to, have, I had to go back and continue seeking an encounter with God because when I look at him and I see him and I understand, I realize, whoa, that's who I'm, that's the, the image I'm being, I'm being created in and that's who he's called me to be. That's who he's called me to be. See, we've, we've, we've seen so many miracles happening in our sphere. When we've come to realize our identity, he said, oh, we've had over five selective mutes be, speak again in the school that we have, in the church school. Because we've realized this is what God's called us to do. That's why we need, that's why Tonga needs another school. Where the supernatural and the impossible is possible and natural. Where Christianity, we walk it out in five selective mutes. We've had ADHT, whatever all those letters mean, I don't know, but we have these kids with all these letters after them and they're not degrees. And they have these letters after their names. These kids go away from, the, from there, he totally healed. It's maybe because we didn't know what the letters meant. We had even people that are gluten-free, lactose-free. We've had two, three people that have come into, the, into our sphere. And I said, you have to be healed because we cannot deal with your condition. God healed them. And so they started to eat everything and everything that was available. Why? Because we had this encounter with Jesus, had this encounter with our Creator. Says, "This is who you are. This is what I've called you to be. Now go and do it." And when I and when I lose, when when I forget that encounter, I say, "Does does Tonga need another school? Does Tonga need another church?" Yes, God says, "Yes, it needs another school. Yes, it needs another church that is able to is able to bring my reality." Into, the, into their midst. See, he reveals himself to us so we can get to see our image, who we are. He encounters us so that we get to feel what it is, who, he, who, who it is that's with us. Because he says to, to Joshua, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. See, our mighty warriorness is not because of our mighty warriorness, but because the Lord is with us. See, the, our ability to do what we are able to do is because the Lord is with us. And our identity is based upon the Lord is with us and that enables us to do what it is that we can do. And our identity is not based upon our mighty warriorness because otherwise when we, we come face to face with things that we can't do, it's, oh, well, we can't do that. Sorry, God's not here. 
But see, the, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. See, the Lord, verse 14, the Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian, Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I, have the least in my, I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you and you will strike them all down, all the Midianites leaving none alive. See, when we come in, in God, and, and we come and find who, when we find who we are, and we have this encounter with God, He begins to prophesy into our realities. And when He prophesies into our reality, He says to us, I want you to go in the strength that you have. Okay, I, I need to go in your strength. No, God says, I want you to go in the strength that you have. I want you to go in, in what is the gifts, the talents, and everything that I've given you is a platform for me to move on. See, we can say, oh, I'm just waiting for God. I'm just waiting for God. And God says, no, no, go in the strength that you have. See, we launched out into a school because that's all we knew how to do. We were, we, there was a few teachers around. And so we can't be doctors nor can we be dentists, or nor can we do anything else, but say, why don't we do a school? That's the strength that we have. That's what we were able to do. So as we stepped out on that, it laid a platform for God to launch out and to do what He can do. You know, I have, I, I remember talking to, I have a nephew that plays for the Tongan rugby league team. And I remember when he was young and he was going, oh, man, I, I don't know. I, I really love God. And I really want to do all these things for God. And I said, do you know what? Where you are is where God's want you to be. You're the answer to that place. Because me being pastor cannot get me into your sphere of influence. Cannot get me into there. Pastor Sam is pastor, who is your e-group leader, cannot get him into there either. You're the one that's in there. That's you going in the strength that you have. Go into there and watch God do amazing things in there. You go in there. Sometimes we want to leave. We want to leave our studies. We want to leave. I have, I've had so many young people in the youth. Oh, man, I'm just so in love with God. I'm just going to pursue God. I'm just and, and, and forfeit scholarships, fully paid scholarships that they had available to them. And I said, Stupid. Don't do that. You go and you and, and then you go and develop your strength. What only not only would it set up a platform for God to move into a, into a greater sphere, but it will also open doors that other people will not necessarily have. My sister is a lawyer. She's a trained lawyer. So she comes to Tonga. And what she does is that she, so she decides to go into, into politics, didn't get in, whatever it was. But what happened was she made all these contacts within, the, within, the, within government. Just last Sunday, we had the public commissioner of works. We had the attorney general who had come in Come into, come into church, and then they would go off and have lunch, what we call the gathering. 
So we don't have a night service, we have a gathering. So we have different gatherings all over the, all over the island. So they go off and have their gathering. And in that gathering, here is these two women who are very influential in our, in our nation goes, would you be able, we've been looking for, for, a place, for, a, for, for a place for a person that would mentor us, that would help us to bring, this, bring our Christian faith together with what we, do in, what we do in the natural, what we do in government. Because it seems like we've got to, like, we, we just need someone that would mentor us in how we can outwork what we believe, who we are. But where did that come from? Someone who just stepped out in the strength that, he, that she had. Go in the strength that you have. And watch God do something. So he prophesies over us and he reassures us. Go in the strength that you have. I'm, I am sending you. Am I not with you? This is what you'll do. As I said, we're always challenged with our identity as individuals and as a church. And as we said, we stepped out and the school is, our, is the greatest influence that we have into our nation is through the school. And all we did was we stepped out in the strength that we had. And we're watching and we're seeing that all the children of the most, of the higher echelons of our society ending up at this school. It's got, it's got nothing going for it. You go there and go, why would you send your kids to this place? It floods when it floods. It's, it's, a, it's dilapidated. It's, it doesn't have all the equipment necessary. But they keep sending their kids there. Why? Because of what happens in these classrooms. We're just simply stepping out in our strength. See, God wants to, to remind us of our identity. And God wants to remind us, remind us of where our hearts belong. Of where our hearts belong. And so he deals with our hearts by challenging us with our generosity. If we go to chapter 6 again, verse 17 to 21. So God appears, the angel of the Lord appears to Gideon and they have this dialogue. And then Gideon replied, if now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that is really you talking to me. Verse 18, please do not go away until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. And the Lord said, I will wait until you return. And so the story goes on. So he goes off, let's carry it. Gideon went inside, prepared a young goat, and from an ephah of flour, he made bread without yeast, putting the meat in the basket and his broth in the pot. He brought them out and offered them to him under the oak. The angel of the Lord said to him, take the meat and the unleavened bread, place them on this rock and pour out the broth. And Gideon did so. Then the angel of the Lord touched the meat and the unleavened bread with the tip of the staff that was in his hand. Fire fled from the rock, consuming the meat and the bread and the angel of the Lord disappeared. You see, we're always challenged. If we're the answer, we're always challenged with, our, with where our hearts are. And so whenever we have an encounter, whenever I have an encounter with God, what happens is that my heart gets consumed with what God does. And so here we see in the story of Gideon is that what happens when he gets touched in the heart, what happens is generosity flows out of him. Generosity flows. See, we've got to understand it wasn't just an offering. It, wasn't, it was actually a sacrifice. Where was he in the beginning of this chapter? He was hiding, trying to make food for himself. 
because, he, because all of Israel was impoverished. And so he was hiding his stuff from the enemy. And now, what was, and obviously, if he was hiding it, obviously, he didn't have very much of it. What happens when we don't have very much of anything? We hold on to it, don't we? We hold on to it, not wanting to let it go. When we don't have, not only do we hold on to it, not wanting to let it go, it has a greater value. See, when there's a drought, what is the, what is the most prized, what would be our most prized possession? Water. Because whatever is, whatever that, that does not, that whatever you don't have enough of has a great value. So we've got to understand this offering that Gideon has brought. It's the second time that, I've, that we've seen this that's happened when I, when I was preparing this, this happened. There was a story of, of Elijah who brought an offering and he was face to face with the prophets of Baal. And what happened is that he brought his offering, but not only that, it hadn't been raining for three years, but he got how many liters of water and poured it on his offering? What was our most prized possession? What is our most prized commodity? What is most what do you most cherish? Because that's your treasure. You see, our generosity shows where our hearts are grounded. Because generosity is tied to treasure, and our treasure is a locator of our hearts. Matthew 6, 21 says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Your treasure does not follow your heart. Your heart our hearts follow our treasure. So we actually can, can make a decision where our hearts should be at. How? By putting our treasure where our hearts need to be. So if our heart is in God, if, our, if we want our heart to be in God, let's place our treasure there. I can see why, the, why X community school in Tonga is flourishing or is growing. Because there's a lot of people in the community with their hearts in it. How do I know that? Because they put their children there. And that's their most prized, that's their most prized treasure. We had our 10th year anniversary. So we had made food, all the classes made food. Uh, we had the preschool, there's about 30 of them. And so they all made tables. And I walked past the preschool table. They had it, they had gold plates, gold rim plates, all their glasses gold rim, silver, proper silver stuff. These were for toddlers in preschool. And they had, and they had, and the food was, it was just abundant. And I know we, we love food, but it was abundant, abundant food. But these were, come on, think of, these were for toddlers. What would you put out there for your toddlers? You put out plastic cups. All the, no, no, all these people, all these parents and grandparents, they, they laid out their best. And I stood there and I said, whoa, I can see where your treasure is. Yeah, I can see where your, I can see where your true, your treasures are. Because it showed where you placed your riches, where you placed your treasure. See, generosity is about sacrifice, and sacrifice is what, and sacrificing is what is most valuable to what is you most value. 
But one of the things that we need to understand is that God reminds us of where our heart needs to be because where our treasures are is where we would sacrifice and where we would sacrifice always brings the fire. When there's a sacrifice, it always brings fire. We can give and we can bring offerings, but if it's not a sacrifice, I don't believe there's going to be fire. But the fire of God follows where it comes and meets us where we sacrifice. And we, I know that maybe we've heard that it's not about equal giving, but it's about an equal sacrifice. Because in this, in this story, with the sacrifice that Gideon brought, we saw, he said he touched it and fire came and consumed the sacrifice. And I say to our people, because we, we now, we've, where people have, we have sowed, sowed into the school, and now we've got teenagers coming through, and now there's 24 of them currently on doing a tour up in the Northern Islands. Basically, Equipus Church Tonga is run by teenagers. Run by teenagers. We've got the teenagers that are running the children's program. We've got the teenagers that are setting up and packing down. We've got the teenagers that are on the stage singing and playing the instruments. We've got the teenagers that are out there doing the tour. And we've got the teenagers that are on fire. Why? Because there's been a sacrifice. And we've got all these young people on fire. They're still naughty. They're still snotty nose. They still do all those things. But hey, God answers us in seed form. But they're on fire. Okay, what's going to bring the fire? What sacrifice is going to bring the fire? Because we see the story of Elijah. He came and he, and, he, and he poured all this water over sacrifice and called out to God and God sent the fire to consume the sacrifice. We can bring an offering or we can bring a sacrifice that God would, that would bring the fire of God. We could bring a sacrifice into the, of worship. We can bring a sacrifice of, an, of a monetary offering. We can bring a sacrifice of ourselves. And what I believe, God will bring the fire. Imagine in this place where everyone's sacrificing. I don't know what you're sacrificing, but I'm certainly sacrificing something. Because I imagine the fire of God that would fall and consume this place. And not only would it stay here, but it would go out there. Come on, make a decision as to where your heart wants to be and place your treasure there. Let your heart follow your treasure. See, we placed our treasure in the school. We were there. This is our 12th year. For the, for the first two years, we were there. Think, so thinking about the whole the the um the average wage and and so forth and so over those two years we had managed to accumulate in offerings because we hadn't done anything um, a quite substantial amount for where we are so when 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 God placed on our heart hey man we need to start a school what we did with all of that we got it and we bought gravel and poured it into this hole in the ground literally we poured it into a hole it was a sacrifice because it's all we had. And people in even the life of the church would come in and say, what are you getting us into? 
I said, I just heard God. I just really believe. I don't know for sure, but I believe we're just leaning towards this. So we poured it all into the ground and 10 years ago. And what's happened now is that there are over 300 kids every year that's coming through, being impacted. God's doing amazing things in it. So what happened? We placed our treasure into where God wanted us to be. As we placed our treasure there, that's where our heart was also drawn. We placed our treasure into where we wanted our hearts to be. Not only in the school, in the life of the church. I'll be encouraged. Come on, place your treasure. This is a great place to raise your kids. Place your treasure here. Come on, bring an offering. When it's, when it's miracle offering, come on, place your treasure here. Why? Because your heart's going to follow suit. And make sure it's a sacrifice. Because it's a sacrifice that brings the fire. And so he reminds us of our identity. He reminds us of our, where our heart should be. But he also reminds us on where the altars that we need to sacrifice in, on. In Judges in chapter 6, verse 22 to 24, it says, When Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he exclaimed, Alas, sovereign Lord, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, Peace, do not be afraid. You are not going to die. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it, The Lord is Peace. You see, God wants, so if we're the answer to this place, God wants us to put some altars up where we need to be sacrificing on. To build some new altars. It's not altars of the past, but we need to build some new altars. When we have an encounter with God, God's trying, come on, build an altar and dedicate it to me. This is where you need to, this is where you need to sacrifice. Because if we're going to be different, if we're going to be the answer, we can't be sacrificing on the same altar that everyone else is sacrificing on. If we want to be counterculture, we've got to build some new altars. If we want to, if we want to break through tradition and break through cultural barriers, we've got to build some new altars that where you and I can sacrifice and bring a sacrifice and declare that this is our God. A altar that brings glory to God. But there were other altars already there, weren't there? Yes, there were. But we need to build some new altars. What, what, what altars do we need to build today? Because you and I are the answer. See, there was a lot of altars that we had to build. And we built it in the, in, the, in the life of the church. Because when we have royalty or people of any come into church, they are supposed to have their, sep they, they sit separately from us. Would make something special here and we'll lay it out with mess and then that's where they, and so that's where they would sit. And if I'm preaching, my preaching will be directed to them as opposed to all of us. See, that's the altar where we as a nation would be sacrificing to. But God had called us, no, I want to build a new altar. It's an altar where it glorifies and you'll sacrifice to me. So when we had people of that, of, of that caliber would come into church, we'd have them just sit, sit with us, just normally, like here. And then I'd acknowledge, so I'd honor them by just acknowledging, hey, it's good to have the princess so-and-so here with us. Awesome. And minister, the minister of our government, minister of health with us. Thank you. And we're good, great to have the prince so-and-so with us. And then we'll carry on just like normal. Because it's a different, we have to build some new altars. 
Because if we were to do that, how would that set us apart? How could we be an answer? Because we are not showing them a different way. But building a new altar, what is a new altar that we need to build here? What is a new altar that you need to build? Because you are the answer. God has said, you, I've called you. You are the answer to a cry of a generation, a cry of a city looking for an answer. But then in verse 25, that same night, so he builds an altar. But then on the same night, the Lord said to him, take the second bull from your father's herd, the one seven years old, tear down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Ezra pole beside it. Then build a proper kind of altar to the Lord your God on the top of this height. So he builds an altar, then he tears down the altar. See, we have to be set apart and understand that this is who we're about before we can start dismantling things in our midst. Sometimes we, sometimes I, I believe that some of the mistakes that I made was trying to pull down these altars without building my own altar first. I'd go into town and I'd start to try and pull down and dismantle all these altars that has, that has been set, has already been set. See, the hard thing about those altars that I had to pull down, it was my father's altar, literally. It was my granddad's altar. It was my family altar. See, the altars that, I needed to, that we need to pull down are very close to us. It's our fathers. It's our parents. It's our grandparents who build this altar. But we need to pull it down because it doesn't honor God. See, we, we build the altar that brings honor to God and sets us apart, which gives us the ability, which gives us the capacity in order to now break down those altars. And sometimes those altars, we, 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 can, we can go directly and break it down or we just, in what we do, dismantles it just like that because we, know we just neglect it and no longer take any part in, in it. You see, the place that we are at at the school it's actually quite a significant piece of property, regardless of the fact that it floods um, a quarter of the year. But it's a significant piece of property. And the, its significance in our history is that in the, in the 60s to 70s, a, a very educated, educated but a very man beyond his years started a, a school there. And that school where he taught he called it Athenisi, Athens. So he taught all these um, Hellenistic ways of thinking. And he taught it their philosophy and all these things. And, and that's where it was. And so our, the political instability of our nation, humanism, atheism, that's where it was birthed. In the very places where we have these kids, Sitting. That's where, that's where it was birthed. So that's the significance of it. Where altars were, were, were built in order to sacrifice, in order to sacrifice to humanity, sacrifice to, 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 our, to our ways of thinking. And all these altars. So God called us. How ironic that God brought us there. 
Because we did not come and try and pull it apart. We just came and say, we're going to build an altar here to the glory of our God. To the glory of our God, we're going to build an altar here. And so we've asked for the property to, for we've asked if they were able, to, oh, it's a leasehold property, if they would give us the lease, if we would buy the lease. And for 10 years they held off because of all the sentimental values that it had until last year. That altar finally was dismantled. And the reason why it's dismantled, because the children, the grandchildren of the man who started the school had come into our school. They had been to every other school and it did not work for them. So they ended up sending them to our, to ex-community school. And when they were there, they saw the transformation in, in their, the transformation in these kids. And, and, the, and the lady who's head of, who was chairman of their board came to me directly, who's a daughter, and she said, we can see what you guys are doing. We can see what you guys are doing. You're here for this nation. And I said, that's what I've been trying to say or tell you all this time. We're here for this nation. And we're here for the long haul. And then just, they said, hey, I've decided. We want to, we'll, we'll, we'll give you the, we'll sell you the property. To sell you the lease. So that's where we're on at the moment. So what happened? So we build an altar, we pull down the altar. See, every one of us sitting here, we need to understand that God's called us to be an answer to someone's prayer. Because in verse 6, in chapter 30, verse 34 to 35, Gideon then gets up, and blows a trumpet, and everyone gathers to him. Gideon all along was the answer, was God's answer to the people of Israel. Who, me? I'm hiding away here. I'm the least of the least. I'm nothing. But he gets up in verse 34 and blows a trumpet, and all of Israel gathers to him. See, each and every one of us here we're an answer to our families. We're an answer to our schools, to our workplaces. We're an answer to this city. People have been crying out. I, I now declare, I said, hey man, we're in, as, as for myself, I'm an answer to this nation. Seems a bit fat-headed at first. Really hard for me to, but I came to a point where I'm getting more and more confidence. Say, God, we're an answer to this place. Imagine if every single person stood up and said, we are an answer to this. We're an answer to this nation. Imagine if every single person would stand up and say, we are an answer to this city. We're an answer to what the city's been crying out for. We're an answer to it. See, God has already answered the cries of broken humanity 2,000 years ago. God has answered our prayers, the prayers and our needs. And he answered in the form of a man. And that man being Jesus Christ. See, we're an answer. We, we simply declare as a church that we're an answer because of what Jesus has done in our lives. Because he's been an answer to us. He's been an answer to my brokenness. 
He's been an answer to my inadequacies in order to lead a church. He's been an answer to my inadequacies in order to be oversee a school. He's been an answer to that because he's continually said, come on, get up, mighty warrior. I am with you. And this is what I've called you to be. And stop asking those questions as if, does Tonga need another this? Yes, it does need another that and that. And you are the one that I've called to do that. And I want you to raise up other people that would say, yes, I'm an answer because God's called me to be this. God's called me to do this. God's called me to be a politician. God's called me to be a, to be a youth worker. God's called me because now I'm the answer to the, to the cries of this generation. We've got 24 young kids, as I've said, they are going around and with T-shirts that I am change." uprising to it because they, they're just de declaring we're the answer and we're recruiting others that would be part of that answer too see this morning in Jesus Christ we can fully understand the fact that we're the answer because when you encounter him he tells you who you are and he takes you on a journey to locate your heart because it's not about your offering. It's not about how much you give. It's not about who you give and what you give. It's about Him wanting to capture your heart. And say, come on, let's build an altar that's going to bring honor and glory to God. But the greatest offering that we could give is say, God, I give you myself. We hope you enjoyed this message recorded at Equippers Church, Dunedin. We pray it blessed you. For more information, please visit equippuschurch.com.